Our custom of reading the Haftarah, a part of Nach, or more specifically, a part of Nevi'im, which is related to that week's parasha, this custom originates from the period during which the Greeks ruled over Eretz Israel, and a particular Greek ruler banned Kriyas HaTorah. And because it was a life danger to read Kriyas HaTorah, the Chachom instituted that instead they would read a part of Nach, which was related to that week's parasha, which they should have been reading. Now, once they instituted this custom, so even once it was no longer dangerous and they were able to read the regular Kriyasa Torah, the custom of reading the part of Nach as well remained, and that is the Haftorah which we read still today. Nevertheless, now that we read Kriyasa Torah as well, so the actual Kriyasa Torah is certainly considered to be more significant. It's reading the Torah itself, it is a much older custom, already from the times of Ezra HaSefer, and possibly already from the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. And because of that, somebody who is called up to read from the Sefer Torah itself, that is considered to be more significant, whereas the person who would read the Haftorah, that is considered a smaller honour. Now, in order that people don't think that we're putting this person down, and that we're suggesting that he is less honourable, and that's why he's getting the Haftorah, says the Mishnah Hamafti by Novi, the one who reads the Haftorah from Novi, who peris al-shama, he does the process of being peris al-shama, which as we learnt earlier on, is when a group of at least 10 adult men get together to fill in the gaps of the parts of davening which need to be said in a minion, and so it includes saying Baruchu, etc. So the person who would get the Haftorah, he would also get this job, and as well as that, Vuhu Eberifnei He also gets to be the Chazan, who will repeat Shmona Esrei, Vuhu says Kapov, and he will do Brikas Kranim if he is a Kohen. Now this last one on the list, the fact that he does Brikas Kohanim is quite difficult to understand because that's not an honour to this person specifically because every single Kohen can do Brikas Kohanim. If he is a Kohen then he can do Brikas Kohanim, if he's not then he can't. What has that, that got to do with the fact that he's doing Haftorah? So there are a number of different explanations which are given. One possibility is that it's not necessarily related to the fact that he did the Haftorah, rather it's the related to the fact that he's going to be the Chazan. Because the truth is it's not such a simple thing that the Chazan himself will do Brikas Koranim. There is a debate about this in Mesechus Brachas. So it could be that this mission is actually suggesting like the opinion over there that even the Chazan, which we said that the person doing the Haftorah is the Chazan, that even he is allowed to do Bikas Kranim, as long as it won't make him confused and he'll be able to continue with repeating the Shemona Esrei immediately after the Bikas Kranim. If that is the case, then he can indeed do Bikas Kranim despite being the Chazan. Another explanation is just the fact that he does indeed get an honour for being for being the one doing the Haftorah, that he gets to, so to speak, lead the other Kranim in the Birkas Kranim. So he might start a tiny bit earlier, but he will lead the other Kranim in the Birkas Kranim. Those are two of the many explanations which are given. And the Mishnah ends off, if this person who did the Haftorah was a child under Bar Mitzvah, so we're going to learn in the next Mishnah that a child is able to do the Haftorah. However, he is not able to be Peris al-Shema or to be the Chazan, because those involve fulfilling the obligation of everybody else on their behalf. And there is a rule that somebody who is not obligated to do the mitzvah himself is not able to do it on behalf of others either. And therefore, says the Mishnah, Oliver the rabbi, his father or his teacher, over al Yodai, they will be the Chazan on his behalf, and they'll also do the, the procedure of Peris al-Shema, because those two things a child cannot do. Mishnah Vov, Koton, a child under Bar Mitzvah, Koba he can do Kriyasa Torah, he can be called up to the Torah and read for everybody. The reason being, at least the way we're going to understand, is that there is no individual obligation on every person to hear Kriyasa Torah. Rather, it was instituted as a mitzvah on the community, that in the shul there should be Kriyasa Torah being read. Now, of course, since everybody is part of the community, 
and part of the minion, so everybody needs to hear it. But at its root, it is not an obligation on every individual person, rather on the community in general that there be a Kriya read in the shul. And for that, a child is sufficient. Now if he can do Kriya then all the more so in a tarot game, he can also translate it, he can be the Maturgamon since that is certainly not an obligation, that is more just in order to elaborate and explain the Psukim to those who don't understand the Kriya So if he's allowed to do the Kriya itself, then certainly he can be the Maturgamon. Although, however, in a Paris al-Shema, he cannot do the procedure of being Paris al-Shema, that in Ovelif he cannot be the Chazan to repeat the Shemona Esrei, as we saw in the previous Mishnah. Since there, there is, an indivi- there is an individual mitzvah on everybody. So he would be fulfilling their mitzvah on their behalf, and since he is not obligated, he cannot do so for others. In addition, that in Enosius Kapov, he can also not do Brikas Kranim if there are no other adult Kranim doing it. It is considered beneath the dignity of the entire community to wait and receive the Brikas Kranim from a child alone. If there are other adult Kranim, then it's okay for the child to join. But if for him to do it alone, that is not considered to be honourable towards the community, and therefore the child Kohen cannot do it himself. Alright, the second type of person the mission is going to talk about now is a Pecheach, somebody with torn and tattered clothing, and for certain things which are done in the shul, for him to be doing them would be considered dishonourable, because of the state in which he is presented. However, Peris al-Shema, he is able to be Peris al-Shema, since their custom was that the person who was reading out the Borachu and the first bracha of Kriyas Shema and the other things which were done as part of this procedure, he wouldn't do it in front of everybody at the centre of the shul or by where the chasm would generally daven. Rather, he would do it in his seat, wherever he would generally sit. So he would be there and say it out loud from his regular seat. And because of that, it's not necessarily so recognisable how he is presented, and therefore it is permitted. Umasari game. Again, he can also be the Venturgamon, he can translate the Kriyasa Torah. Since again, that's not considered to be a real mitzvah. It's more to enhance the Kriyasa Torah, to make sure people are understanding what is being read, and can fulfil the mitzvah of Kriyasa Torah. But it's certainly not considered to be a very significant obligation, and therefore he can do that. I will in Korbat Torah, but he cannot do Kriyasa Torah itself. The Eno Ovelif Nateivan, he cannot be the Chazan to repeat the Shemona Esrei, the Eno says Kapov, and he cannot do Brokas Kranim because all of these things are done sort of at the centre or at the front of the shul for everybody. He is clearly presenting and leading the community somewhat, and therefore it is considered dishonourable because of the way in which he is dressed. Third person the mission now discusses is a Summa, a blind man. Part of the procedure of being Paris al Shema is saying the first bracha before we say Kriyas Shema. Since Baruchu requires a minion, so Baruchu is essentially telling everybody to bless Hashem, to make a bracha, and therefore they need to say the first bracha before, which is generally said before Shema as well, immediately after Baruchu. But since a blind person doesn't really benefit from the light, and the whole focus of the first bracha before Shema is about the light, and how Hashem renews the creation and the beauty of it, and in particular the ability for us to see because of the light which there is, and even though the blind person doesn't necessarily see the light, and benefit from it so much, according to the Tanakama of our Mishnah, he is able to pose al Shema, because his bracha is considered to be like everybody else's bracha, since at the end of the day he does benefit from the light. The fact that other people can see, and stop him stumbling, and protecting him from harm, so that means that he also is essentially benefiting from the light. 
And therefore, according to the first opinion of our Mishnah, Puris al he can do the process of being Puris al Shema on the Torah game, and certainly he can be the Maturgum on the translator, since that does not require seeing, since the translator would anyway always do it by heart. He would hear a Pasuk of Kriyasa Torah, and then translate it from memory. Alright, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Anybody who has never seen light in his life, if he was totally blind from birth, so he has never actually benefited from the light, and therefore any Paris al he cannot be the one to do the procedure of being Paris al since he is not really obligated in the first block of Shema, because he can't fully praise Hashem for the light. According to Yehuda, it's not enough that he benefits from others who benefit from the light, he himself needs to benefit from the light, and since he doesn't, and has never done so, he cannot be Paris al Shema. Mishnah Zayin, since the last few Mishnahs have made a mention of Birkas Karanim, the Mishnah now teaches a particular halacha regarding Birkas Karanim. It is forbidden to look at the hands of the Karanim as they are giving the bracha of Birkas Karanim. The Mephoshim explained that it's as if the Shekhinah, Hashem's presence, is where the hands of the Karanim are, that is how the bracha is bestowed upon everybody, and because of that it is forbidden to look at the hands. It's like, as it were, looking at the Shekhinah, which is certainly forbidden for any regular person to do. And because of that, Kohen Jeshbar of Mumin, a Kohen who has wounds on his hands, or if his hands have some sort of abnormal shape, they are deformed in some manner, which would cause people to look at his hands while he is giving Brigas Karanim. So his Kapov, he is not allowed to do Brigas Karanim in order that other people do not look at his hands whilst he is doing so. And Rabbi Huda takes this a step further. Rabbi Huda says, Even if the coin's hands were dyed with different types of dyes, blue dye or red dye, if his hands were coloured, even though it's not incredibly unusual, and it won't necessarily cause people to stare at his hands. There is still a concern, and therefore Lois says Kapov. He also cannot do Brigas Karnim, he cannot lift up his hands. Mipnesia on Mistaklin by because it will cause the rest of the people to look at him and his hands whilst he's doing Brigas Karnim. Mishlechis, another category of person who is invalid to be a chazan is an apikoiris, somebody who has heretical beliefs. He doesn't believe in certain principles about Hashem's existence, perhaps, or about the truth of Torah, and of Torah being given by Hashem, so it's certainly not appropriate for him to be a chazan representing the rest of the community. So the mission gives a few signs of how we can tell, or when we need to suspect, that perhaps somebody is an apikoiris. Everyone who says, I will not be a chazan whilst wearing coloured clothes, which are not white. There is no such requirement in halacha, and from the fact that he is particular on this, this was something which certain groups of apikurisim were particular about. So this suggests that he is part of one of those groups, and therefore afbilavonim loyavar, even when he is wearing white clothes and is willing to be the chazan, loyavar, he cannot be the chazan, for the reason that we just explained. Basandalini over, if he says I'm not going to be the chazan whilst wearing shoes, Again, that is not a requirement in halacha. One can wear shoes, and in fact, it's ideal to wear shoes. So this person who is refusing to be a chazan when wearing shoes, af yochef he can't even be the chazan when, when he's barefoot. Continues the Mishnah. One who makes his tefillin round, so it sort of fits directly onto his head, his head which is shaped as an oval, the tefillin go directly on it, not like our tefillin which are square, but his were actually made round so that they would fit perfectly on the head. So firstly, that is not considered valid tefillin. There's a halacha l'mesh that the tefillin have to be perfectly square. 
But the Mishnah says, in addition to that sakona, it is actually dangerous to do so, because if, let's see, he's walking through a doorway, and he bangs his head or his tefillin on the top of the door, the tefillin can dig into his head, since they fit directly onto his head, they're not square at the bottom, so they can sort of crush right into his head, and push down, it can be very dangerous, and so for that reason it's forbidden, and either way, the Eimba Mitzvah, he does not fulfill his mitzvah with that, because there is a halacha l'mishim sinai that the tefillin have to be square, and not round at all. Next example, Nusana al Mitzchay. If he places the tefillin shal roish, the head tefillin, on his forehead, meaning in between his eyes, or just above his eyes on the forehead itself, below his hairline, or al pas yodoy, or if he places the the arm tefillin on the palm of his hand, instead of on the upper part of his arm, haizoderechaminus, this is the way in the custom of the apikorosim, of those who deny parts of Torah, because it's clear that this person reads the posuk literally. It says, you should tie the tefillin on your hand and in between your eyes. Now we know because of the tradition which we have of how to interpret the Torah, because of the Torah Shabal Peh, we know that it's referring to the upper arm and to above the eyes, above the hairline. But this person who is clearly not accepting Torah Shabal Peh, and he is reading the Posuk literally, he is not fit to be a Chazan. And last examples of the Mishnah, Tzipon Zohov. If he covered the tefillin with gold, again there is a Halacha Lameshmi Sinai which requires the tefillin to be black. But this person decides he wants to beautify the mitzvah, so he coats the tefillin with gold. Or on a sonna al beis unkli shaloi, he places the tefillin shalyad, the arm tefillin, on top of his sleeve. So it's not covered at all, it's for everybody to see. Says Mishnah, in these two cases, this is the way of those who are outside, as it were, outside of being part of the main body of Kal Yisrael, accepting the Torah which we have, and they are sort of interpreting the Torah for themselves. He thinks that in order to beautify the mitzvah, he's going to cover it with gold, even though, of course, that's totally not correct, because it's not considered to be a mitzvah at all. And also, the tefillin wall on the arm are supposed to be for the person himself. It should be for you as a sign on your hand, on your arm. And we learn from there that it should be covered, and either way, it should certainly be at least on the body itself, on the arm itself, and not on top of a sleeve. There cannot be any break in between the tefillin and the arm itself.